Hello, everyone. It is March 8th, 2020. We are broadcasting from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Today, we will continue to discuss Circular E Employer's Tax Guide. Okay. This publication explains your tax responsibilities as an employer. It explains the requirements for withholding, depositing, reporting, paying, and correcting employment taxes. It explains the forms you must give to your employees, those your employees must give to you, and those you must send to the IRS and the Social Security Administration. References to income tax in this guide apply only to federal income tax. When you pay your employees, you do not pay them all the money they earned. As their employer, you have the added responsibility of withholding taxes from their paychecks. The federal income tax and employees' share of Social Security and Medicare taxes that you withhold from your employees' paychecks are part of their wages that you pay to the U.S. Treasury instead of to your employees. Your employees trust that you pay the, with, pay the withheld taxes to the U.S. Treasury by making federal tax deposits. This is the reason that these withheld taxes are called trust fund taxes. If federal income, Social Security, or Medicare taxes that must be withheld are not withheld, or are not deposited in or paid to the U.S. Treasury, the trust fund recovery penalty may apply. Additional employment tax information is available in publications 15A, 15B, and 15T. Publication 15A includes specialized information supplementing the basic employment tax information provided in this publication, Publication 15B is the Employer's Tax Guide to Fringe Benefits, and it contains information about the employment tax treatment and valuation of various types of non-cash compensation. And Publication 15T includes the Federal Income Tax Withholding Tables and instructions on how to use the tables. Most employers must withhold except FUTA, Federal Unemployment Tax, Deposit, report, and pay the following employment taxes. <coughs> Income tax, Social Security tax, Medicare tax, FUTA tax. There are exceptions to these requirements. Railroad retirement taxes are explained in the instructions for Form CT-1. Employment taxes for agriculture employers are explained in Publication 51. Federal Government Employers. The information in this publication, including the rules for making federal tax deposits, applies to federal agencies also. State and local government employers. Payments to employees for services to, in the employ of state and local government employers are generally subject to federal income tax withholding, but not FUTA tax. Most elected and appointed public officials of state or local governments are employees under common law rules. Indian Tribal Governments. See Publication 4268 for employment tax information for Indian Tribal Governments. 
Disregarded entities and qualified subchapter S subsidiaries, Q subs. Eligible single owner disregarded entities and Q subs are treated as separate entities for employment tax purposes. Eligible single mem member entities must report and pay employment taxes on wages paid to their employees using the entity's own names and EINs. COBRA Premium Assistance Credit. The Consolidated Omnibus Budget Reconciliation Act of 1985, also referred to as COBRA, provides certain former employees, retirees, spouses, former spouses, and dependent children the right to temporary continuation of health coverage at group rates. COBRA generally covers multi-employer health plans and health plans maintained by private sector employers other than churches with 20 or more full and part-time employees. Parallel requirements apply to these plans under the ERISA, Employee Retirement Income Security Act of 1974. Under the Public Health Service Act, COBRA requirements also apply to health plans covering state or local government employees. Similar requirements apply under the Federal Employees Health Benefits Program and under some states. For the premium assistance or subsidy discussed below, these requirements are all referred to as COBRA requirements. Under the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act of 2009, also referred to as ARRA, employers are allowed to accredit against payroll taxes, referred to as employment taxes, for providing COBRA premium assistance to assistance-eligible individuals. For periods of COBRA continuation coverage beginning after February 16, 2009, a group health plan must treat an, an assistance-eligible individual as having paid the required COBRA continuation coverage premium if the individual elects COBRA coverage and pays 35% of the amount of the premium. An assistance-eligible individual is a qualified beneficiary of an employer's group health plan who is eligible for COBRA continuation coverage during the period beginning September 1, 2008 and ending May 31, 2010, due to involuntary termination from employment of a covered employee during the period and elects continuation COBRA coverage. The assistance for the coverage can last up to 15 months. The COBRA premium assistance credit was available to an employer for premiums paid on behalf of employees who were involuntarily terminated from employment between September 1, 2008 and May 31, 2010. COBRA premium assistance credit is not available for individuals who were involuntarily terminated after May 31, 2010. Therefore, only in rare circumstances will the credit still be available such as instances where COBRA eligibility was delayed as a result of employer-provided health insurance coverage following termination. Administrators of group health plans or other entities that provide or administer COBRA continuation coverage must provide notice to assistance-eligible individuals of the COBRA premium assistance. With 65% of the premium not paid by the assistance eligible individuals is reimbursed to the employer maintaining the group health plan. The reimbursement is made through a credit against the employer's employment tax liabilities. 
For information on how to claim the credits, see instructions for Form 941-X. The credit is treated as a deposit made on the first day of the return period. In the case of a multi-employer plan, the credit is claimed by the plan rather than the employer. In the case of an insured plan subject to state law continuation coverage requirements, the credit is claimed by the insurance company rather than the employer. Who are employees? Generally, employees are defined under common law or under statutes for certain situations. Employee status under common law. Generally, a worker who performs services for you is your employer employee if you have the right to control what will be done and how it will be done. This is so even when you give the employee freedom of action. What matters is that you have the right to control the details of how the services are performed. See publication 15-A for more information on how to determine whether an individual providing services is an independent contractor or an employee. Generally, people in business for themselves are not employees. For example, doctors, lawyers, veterinarians, and others in an independent trade in which they offer their services to the public are usually not employees. If the business is incorporated, corporate officers who work in the business are employees of the corporation. If an employer-employee relationship exists, it does not matter what, is, what it is called. The employee must be, may be called an agent or an independent contractor. It also does not matter how payments are measured or paid, what they're called, or if the employee works full or part-time. Statutory employees. If someone who works for you is not an employee under the common law rules discussed earlier, do not withhold federal income tax from his or her pay unless backup withholding applies. Although the following persons may not be common law employees, they're considered employees by state or Social Security and Medicare tax purposes under certain conditions. Number one, an agent or commission driver who delivers meat, vegetable, fruit, or bakery products, beverages, laundry, or dry cleaning for someone else. Number two, a full-time life insurance salesperson who sells primarily for one company. Number three, a home worker who works at home or off-premises according to guidelines of the person for whom the work is done with materials or goods furnished by and returned to that person or to someone that person designates. Number four, a traveling or city salesperson other than an agent or commission driver who works full-time except for sideline sales activities for one firm or person getting orders from customers. The orders must be for merchandise, for resale, or supplies for use in the customer's business. The customers must be retailers, wholesalers, contractors, or operators of hotels, restaurants, or other businesses dealing with food or lodging. For food attacks, an agent or commission driver the traveling or city salesperson are considered statutory employees. However, a full-time life insurance person and a home worker are not considered statutory employees. Statutory non-employees, direct sellers, qualified real estate agents, and certain companion sitters are by law considered non-employees. They are generally treated as self-employed for all federal tax purposes, including income and employment taxes. H-2A agricultural workers. 
On Form W-2, do not check Box 13, statutory employee, as H-2A workers are not statutory employees. For further information, join us on Sundays for corporate tax return discussions at www.fender-tax.com.